I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage. It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Tamara Kandakar. On Monday, Balraj Nijjar, son of prominent Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Nijjar, spoke publicly for the first time about the murder of his father. He was speaking in the parking lot of the Guru Nanak Sikh Gurdwara in Surrey, B.C., where his dad was gunned down just three months ago. Behind him, members of the temple gathered for a memorial. It was just a matter of time for when the truth would come out. So when we heard that news today, it was a sense of relief that, you know, it's finally coming to the public eyes that, you know, the Indian government is involved in this. It's not like a dispute within the community, but it's a really serious foreign interference case. The news Balraj is referring to is, of course, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's bombshell accusation that Canada has credible intelligence linking agents of the Indian government to his father's killing. Canada is a rule of law country. The protection of our citizens and defense of our sovereignty are fundamental. Our top priorities have therefore been, one, that our law enforcement and security agencies ensure the continued safety of all Canadians, and two, that all steps be taken to hold perpetrators of this murder to account. Balraj says he's grateful for the attention that Trudeau's government and opposition parties are giving to his father's case. Well, hopefully you can take this a step further and get specific individuals, maybe place sanctions, whatever the next steps are. You know, we're waiting as a family to see what it is. This is just step one in the family's eyes and the community that, you know, we now... There are still a lot of unanswered questions about the evidence that led Trudeau to make these allegations which Indian government officials are calling absurd and unsubstantiated. Today, who was Hardeep Singh Nijjar? Why did someone, maybe the Indian state, want him dead? And why did so many in the Sikh community suspect Indian government involvement all along? I'm joined by Jaskaran Sandhu. He's a co-founder of Baz News, an online outlet for the Sikh and Punjabi diaspora, and a board member of the World Sikh Organization. Hi, Jaskaran. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. So if you're learning about this murder and about Hardeep Singh Nijjar for the first time, you might be getting some pretty conflicting descriptions. So many in the Sikh community say that he was a leader and an activist, while the Indian government says he was a terrorist. So who was Hardeep Singh Nijjar and, and what did he believe in? Uh, so uh, Mr. Nijjar was a president of a prominent Gurdwara in Surrey. Uh, and a Gurdwara is a, a place of worship for uh, for the Sikhs. Uh, and he was also someone that was very active uh, in activist circles. Uh, you know, he spoke uh, uh, often on human rights issues. 
uh, grievances with the Indian state from the Sikh community, uh, and also on Khalistan, which is the uh, Sikh self-determination or sovereignty movement. Um, and so he was he was very well known uh, amongst you know Sikh circles, uh, and he was also someone that was uh, recently uh, part of uh, organizing the Khalistan referendum. Uh, and the Khalistan referendum is a non-binding vote that's been uh, happening across the world in the Sikh diaspora, uh, including Australia, uh, the UK, Canada, uh, United States, just, just as an example. Uh, and this non-binding vote is uh, set up to uh, examine the level of interest within the Sikh community on the issue and concept of Khalistan. Right. And what does the Indian government accuse him of? Why, why did they say that he was a terrorist? And so the Indian government accused him of organizing uh, hits in India, of uh, leading uh, or, or being the front man of a uh, Khalistan uh, organization, uh, of uh, you know organizing uh, training camps in British Columbia. Uh, no evidence has ever been given. Uh, and so the Indian government uh, has thrown a lot of different labels at Hardeep Singh Nijar. Uh, and a lot of these labels are also thrown at others that also advocate uh, or organize around uh, similar issues uh, from the Sikh community. Right. Okay. So based on what you said, his activism was was peaceful. Um, he was part of organizing this referendum. Did he ever advocate for any kind of violence for the Khalistani cause? No. Ardeep um, Singh Nijar was, was committed to uh, this, the concept around this referendum. I, I think he, he truly believed that the ballot box is where uh, the the cause of Khalistan can be won. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was very passionate about that cause. Uh, as far as violence goes, you know, there was never anything to pin him uh, to, to any sort of violence that the Indian government was claiming. Uh, and, and that's what makes kind of all this really absurd and, and tragic. Yeah. And I want to get into why uh, why you think this is absurd, but it's now been three months since he was gunned down outside this Gurdwara in Surrey. It happened right after evening prayers, and the investigation is ongoing. But at this point, what do we know about his murder? Uh, you know, he was uh, he was gunned uh, outside the Gurdwara while sitting in his car. Uh, and he, you know, he died tragically. Nijer was gunned down outside his gudwara in June. Violence, CSIS had reportedly warned him about. In the three months since his killing, six separatists say the RCMP has been in touch. Uh, you know, Hardeep Singh was, uh, you know, pretty open about it. You know, he went on Punjabi radio, for example, to talk about the threats on his life. Mm -hmm. He he spoke about it within the community. Uh, and everyone knew that he was facing uh, deep threats. And I think what frustrated the Sikh community, especially in June after he was murdered, was, you know, where where was Canada? Like, where was our security agencies? You know, how how could they allow this to happen, especially when they knew it was coming? Right. Yeah, I know his his son uh, has said that leading up to his death, he had been meeting with CSIS agents pretty much on a weekly basis. So at this point, you haven't heard anything about whether or not he was getting protection, right? Or there's no evidence that he was getting any kind of protection from from Canada. No, nothing, nothing that we can say with confidence. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of it, it does really feel like they kind of left him uh, to dry, uh, and the the amount of security or surveillance that that should have been provided to him, you know, wasn't. Why did Niger not have police protection? Minister of Public Safety Dominic Leblanc said that is not federal jurisdiction. The individual decisions by law enforcement agencies around who 
receives police protection are made by police officials, not by ministers. But was the information and passed the RCMP... Now, that didn't change the way Hardeep Singh Nijar behaved, though. And I, I don't want to make that very clear. You know, he was he was still very active. You know, he was still uh, you know, speaking uh, unapologetically on, about sick causes. Mm-hmm. You know, he was still attending protests. He was still organizing the Khalistan referendum in Surrey. Uh, so his his uh, the manner in which he operated didn't change, uh, and so that that is seen as as a heroic thing. Um, you know, he is seen in the Sikh community as a shaheed, which means uh, a martyr, mm. uh, which is which is a, a title that's that's held in very high esteem in the Sikh faith. So, uh, you know, but as far as protection goes from the state, you know, a lot of Sikhs do feel that Canada failed at providing uh, Hardeep Singh Nijjar uh, everything it could. So he was killed mid-June. There was suspicion in the community at the time that the Indian government was behind it. A lot of people believe that Mr. Nijjar was specifically targeted and he was deliberately targeted inside the Gurdwara. I also believe so. It was obviously a big shock, but right away we knew who the suspects were. Obviously the outside community that aren't as involved in then the Khalistan movement or coming to the Gurdwan meeting my dad in person would not potentially have that knowledge. But for that person who did know him, they knew it was the Indian government. It was just a matter of time for when the truth would come out. He had obviously gone public to talk about these threats. Um, I know there were protests at the at Indian consulates around the world, but we hadn't heard much about it since then. But uh, fast forward to earlier this month, we start to see some signs of tension between Canada and India. So Canada calls for a pause in trade talks. India hosts the G20, where there's clearly some tension between Trudeau and Modi. Modi today pushed Trudeau to rein in six separatists in Canada. And Trudeau says he pushed back on Indian interference in Canada. Then Canada postpones an October trade mission to India. And three days later, Trudeau announces these allegations about Nijar's murder in the House of Commons, which he apparently confronted Modi about at the G20, which may explain some of that tension. What exactly is India being accused of here? Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen. Hardeep Singh Nijjar. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. It is con- Canada is investigating further, and you know my understanding there's there's quite a bit in the pipeline that's going to be coming out here, and uh, and so that's that's what's being leveled against the Indian government. Uh, and that's something the community believes is absolutely true and, and would have believed it uh, even if it wasn't put on the official record. I, I think uh, what's impressed the Sikh community uh, quite a bit in the, in the last 48 hours is how strong the government has been on it and how unwavering they've been on it since making the announcement, considering the pushback from India. Right. Yeah. But but, but I guess to be clear, uh, the, the allegations are coming from what the government is saying is credible intelligence, but they haven't 
uh, said publicly what the what the intelligence is. Right. Have the RCMP, who are the ones leading the investigation into the killing or CSIS, detailed uh, what any of the evidence is here? No, we, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen anything like that uh, yet. The Indian government totally denies all responsibility. What have they said in response to these allegations? They're denying it outright. And, and what they're claiming is happening is, is Trudeau playing what they call vote bank politics. And, and that's a term India uses often uh, when talking about Trudeau and uh, the Canadian government's uh, persistence in, in arguing that six practicing charter rights is not illegal, is not terrorism. Uh, you know, the Indian government is is also saying that, uh, you know, the, uh, there is no evidence, uh, there's no proof, there's nothing to respond to. Mm. Uh, and that's a position they've, they've had uh, over the last day or two. And, you know, we've also seen, you know, other kind of tit-for-tat uh, measures taken by India. You know, they, they expelled a, a diplomat for uh, anti-India activities in response to Canada uh, expelling a, a high-ranking diplomat from the High Commission in Ottawa for uh, being involved with RAW, which is India's uh, central intelligence agency. Uh, and India also uh, released a travel advisory uh, telling Indian nationals and Indian international students, which is a huge uh, cohort of the student body in, in Canadian schools, uh, that there's a tri- travel advisory within Canada because of anti-India activities. The climate is changing, so are we. I'm Laura Lynch and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions Podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. So India has accused Canada for a long time of of harboring terrorists. For people who don't know anything about this, can you just explain sort of what they're talking about exactly? Yeah, you know, if you look at the uh, Sikh community in Canada, it's it's close to a million. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, one of the largest minority groups in Canada. It's, it makes up over 2% of Canada's population, which uh, in relation to India as a proportion is actually higher in Canada, which I think would surprise a lot of folks. Um, and the uh, Sikh diaspora is, uh, you know, the, the, lar- the Sikh diaspora in Canada is larger than it is anywhere else in the world. And so uh, the Sikh community here, um, you know, it's is uh, pretty fearless in its advocacy on uh, various issues which uh, India does not like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes uh, advocacy on human rights issues. That includes advocacy against uh, the BJP Hindu nationalist government. Uh, you know, there's a there's a movement called Hinduatwa, which is uh, Hindu nationalism and uh, which uh, comes at the cost of uh, India's various minority communities, but primarily Christians, Muslims and Sikhs, as well as the Dalit community. Uh, you know, Sikhs are, are very loud in uh, expressing their grievances with the Indian state, especially stemming from the 1984 Sikh genocide, uh, which, uh, you know, where justice is still outstanding, uh, 30 plus years. Uh, but, you know, probably uh, most uh, prolific is uh, India's uh, issue with uh, the advocacy for Khalistan, 
uh, out of the Sikh Canadian community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, India treats any advocacy about Khalistan, even peaceful, as an act of terror or extremism, uh, which is, again, uh, in, in the Sikh community's eyes, absurd. In any democratic country would allow for free expression and, and international law protects the rights to self-determination. Uh, but India uh, has a uh, you know has has always raised these uh, concerns with Canadian officials uh, during bilateral meetings, and Canada has been pretty consistent, irrespective of the government in power, whether it was Harper's Conservatives or Trudeau's Liberals, and that we can't just arbitrarily or extrajudicially crack down on six. Mm -hmm. uh, now that is the norm in India. That ha that is how India treats, especially minority communities. Uh, but that is not the way Canada treats uh, it, uh, you know, treats political free speech. So since Trudeau made these allegations, Canada has expelled an Indian diplomat. You mentioned India expelled a top Canadian diplomat. They've shelved a trade mission. So things are really ramping up. Um, and Trudeau has said that he's not looking to provoke or escalate tensions with India. But the fact is, saying there is credible evidence that India committed an extrajudicial, extraterritorial killing of a Canadian citizen... That's really big. So what have we heard from Canada's allies? So we've we've had statements from the UK and Australia as well, expressing concern um, with the allegations and, and calling on India to cooperate with any investigation. Um, I think you've seen some caution uh, from our partners, in particular in the UK and Australia, uh, in that this is an ongoing investigation and, you know, they can't speak to it. Uh, to any great extent, uh, especially because uh, of the intelligence involved is, is still confidential. Mm -hmm. um, the the loudest response has been from the Americans, uh, who have uh, you know just today uh, released further statements uh, to make it in very clear and in, in, in unequivocal terms that uh, they are cooperating with Canada on this and they are taking it seriously. Um, and so we've seen from our allies in America. Um, you know, some recognition over the last few years of the problems with India. You know, for example, the State Department in America, which releases a report on, you know, human rights records around the world, is very critical of India, incredibly critical. And so I, I think there's a, a fine balancing act that's happening uh, amongst uh, some governments. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they recognize that India is obviously a, a huge market uh, for trade. Uh, and there is some strategic considerations as uh, you know seeing india as a bulwark of sorts against china um, but a lot of that is starting to show cracks so let's talk a bit about the sick community in canada so you talked about how this allegation from the canadian government isn't surprising and that the community suspected that this was the case. So beyond the warnings that people close to Nijar say he received, wh why is that? Why was it not surprising for people here? You know, India has a long history of uh, maligning and, and demonizing the Sikh Canadian community. And we don't have to go that far back to, to think of examples. You know, during Trudeau's first trip to India, um, you know, the, the Sikh community was on the receiving end of a, a blunt hammer uh, from the Indian state. Uh, we know of uh, various reports of how uh, Indian intelligence operates out of consulates to spy on and conduct espionage against the Sikh community. Uh, we know that our institutions uh, have attracted uh, Indian intelligence, uh, have attracted Indian agents. 
there's agents that used to work in in Canada that have put out books about their experience in Canada and how they're tasked with infiltrating Gurdwaras and Sikh uh, organizations. Mm. But uh, I think they were pleasantly surprised uh, and quite frankly impressed with how our government has responded uh, and has stood shoulder to shoulder with the Sikh community. Because for the longest time, the Sikh community has felt alone in fighting Indian interference in this country. And Part of it, uh, you know, part of that uh, is generated a, a resentment of sort in our community. Now, are we not Canadians? Uh, do the issues we face um, not trigger any kind of importance from our government and our intelligence agency, from our media, uh, you know, from the general public? Uh, so to see the, uh, the government come out as it has and uh, to see what has been generally a, a very unified response mm-hmm. uh, from opposition and, and you know, community stakeholders uh, I, I think the the Sikh community feels for the first time that you know they're not alone in this fight. Mm. Yeah, people may have heard Jagmeet Singh's response to all of this. He also said that he found the allegations shocking but not surprising, and that he grew up hearing stories of reprisals against people who would dare to speak out on India's like human human rights record. That you might be denied a visa. That if you went back to India, you could suffer violence, torture, and even death. I grew up hearing those stories. But to hear the Prime Minister of Canada corroborate a potential link between a murder of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil by a foreign government is something I could never have imagined. It was, it was actually you know, really special watching Jagmeet Singh stand up and talk from like lived experience, like share like a personal test, like testimony. Uh, you know, often we talk about representation in politics and we kind of, you know, throw quotes around representation matters. And, you know, we have to think deeper than that. And having Jagmeet Singh stand up and actually give a speech in Punjabi, speaking directly to the community in parliament. Punjabi, I want to say that what we you know, just adds a layer to what has been already an unprecedented moment. But it's it's also worth mentioning, apparently Nijar wasn't the only one who was approached by law enforcement uh, and warned that their life was at risk, right? There was also a friend of Nijar's, uh, Moninder Singh, who said that he was approached by the RCMP. Yeah, it's true. Um, last year, uh, you know, five of us in the Sikh community were approached uh, by national security from the RCMP Intet Division. Uh, we were we were warned that our lives were uh, at risk of imminent assassination. Um, you know, uh, I have minor uh, children at home. I was told I had to leave my home. I couldn't be around my kids or family uh, for safety reasons. Uh, our deep, uh, um, you know, in our understanding, CSIS had a list of multiple names on it of um, you know folks facing threats. And uh, that, you know, there was conversation of hits being out on uh, against them. Uh, so, you know, Hardeep Singh Nijar wasn't just an outlier of sorts. There's, there's other folks that India has targeted or uh, was planning to target. And the reality is for anyone advocating on, you know, sick issues, um, you know, you're always told to kind of watch your back. Uh, you know, and, I, and that includes myself. Um, now I, I haven't, you know, received uh, any messages from CSIS or or what have you of being, a, you know, like under an imminent threat of any sorts. Uh, but any advocate that kind of speaks on sick issues knows that the Indian government is watching them. 
uh, knows that you know you're probably not going to be able to travel to India. Um, your your visa is probably going to be denied, uh, and even if you did go, probably not the smartest idea. Uh, you know because they have a history of arbitrarily picking up and arresting uh, individuals. Yeah, and I'll just quickly mention before we before we move on, there were there were others outside of Canada around the same time that Hardeep Singh Nidra was killed too. Uh, Avtar Singh Kanda in the UK and Paramjit Singh Panjwar in in Pakistan. Again, the, the Sikh community believes uh, they were also assassinated by the Indian state, um, and this is this kind of goes back to the point I made earlier about our five I allies. Um, and, you know, so the ramifications of what's happening in Canada, it, it, like, it's not just a Canada-India issue. You know, it really is a global issue. Um, and I, I think what worries India right now is how many layers are going to be peeled and how wide is the collateral going to be. Okay, um, Joss Gren, thank you so much for walking us through this and, and for all your insight. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, that's all for today. I'm Tamara Kandaker. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.